Hi there, this is Anirban. Welcome to another episode of Anirban in Conversation with Industry Expert. In today's day and age, it is very important that businesses ensure that most of their data is available in an automated and digitized form. Not just that, the integrity of data, the quality of data and the source is as important. And that is the topic of today's discussion, which is automation and flawless data. And we've been joined by Gonzalo Aribas Plata all the way from Peru. Welcome, Gonzalo. Hello, Anirvan. Thank you very much for inviting me today. It's our pleasure to have you uh, all the way from Peru. What time is it in the morning? Uh, here is 7 a.m. Ah, okay, okay. So not too, not too early. I was, I was worried. Uh, so for our benefits of the viewers and listeners, why don't we start with an introduction? Okay, hello. Uh, my name is Gonzalo Rivas Plata. I work as an advisor to global companies, to multinational companies. Uh, I have worked as an employee for multinational companies too, like Volvo, Ford, Pricewaterhouse, 3M, etc. And since five years ago, I started advising companies on how to achieve uh, big time savings. With big time savings, I'm referring to 80% time reductions, 90%, 99% time reductions. And achieving this uh, without investing money in new software by using the resources that are already available at the company. And uh, this is a methodology that I developed while I was a, uh, an employee for companies. And I think that under the current circumstances is uh, 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 important to start developing, developing improvements without waiting for uh, big investments or without waiting for uh, big uh, software solutions. Excellent. So you're calling it automation and flawless data. Maybe can you share some examples of uh, some of the work that you've done with your clients or uh, some of the framework that you share? Yeah, I call it simple automation and flawless data. And uh, what is this? Uh, this is the basically is the decision to prioritize three things. Okay. Uh, number one is to prioritize the elimination of manual work, of manual tasks in administrative processes. Okay, as many as uh, to eliminate as many manual tasks as possible. Okay, number two is to prioritize the design of the strategies to ensure the, the, the high quality of data. Okay, and uh, number three is that is to prioritize that this uh, that all of this should be done without uh, waiting for a big uh, sophisticated software solution but with hands-on uh, with, with a hands-on approach with a lean approach okay um, I will give some examples uh, for example an example of data gathering okay uh, when for example uh, when a vehicle is taken to a mechanic work to a mechanic workshop okay and uh, the the person that works the employee that works in the mechanic workshop needs to for example capture uh, how many kilometers has the vehicle uh, is the has the vehicle uh, used okay since the last time um, so this number cannot be zero or cannot be negative or cannot be the same amount of kilometers that were registered in the last occasion 
this sounds kind uh, obvious, but this is a big problem that a client of, my, of mine has been struggling with. Okay. Uh, and why? Because in the, the form that is used to register the, this information allows any value. Okay. So if you start accumulating these uh, wrong values, this wrong data along uh, many years and from many different point of sales and from many different uh, mechanic workshops, then after five years, you have a lot of wrong data. And if you want to use this data to, let's say, predict the mechanic failures of trucks, okay, then your predictions will be wrong. Or you will need to start um, um, eliminating data that is useless and you will end up with a very, very uh, small uh, data sum. Okay, so this is, and, and this is used to take uh, management decisions, uh, commercial decisions, new uh, commercial strategies. So this is a, a very, it limits your ability to take good decisions uh, very much, okay? Uh, we have already solved this issue, but um, part of the solution has been to just discard a lot of data, okay? So this is an example. Another, um, and how to solve it? You solve it by uh, blocking the, the, I mean, by adapting the form, okay? So it blocks the registration of zero values of negative values of re repeated values. Okay, it's very simple. You don't need to invest money on this. Okay, you can use your IT, IT team and just uh, ask them to prioritize this. Okay, another example is, um, for example, when you, uh, a client of mine, okay, the, a fin uh, in the financial area, one of the employees needed to match the expenses with the uh, budget, um, with the budget accounts, okay, uh, that were created during the annual budget process. And this person did this process manually, okay. Most of it was uh, this uh, match was made manually, so it took from two to three days, okay, to have this all of this completed. And when the user areas, when the commercial areas wanted to know how much budget they have still available, they needed to wait two or three days. Okay, and this caused a lot of um, missed commercial opportunities and delayed decisions. How did we solve it? Uh, very easily by developing an Excel tool. And that was all, you know, so we, we didn't wait for a corporate solution for a sophisticated software. We just uh, put a lot of weight on developing an Excel solution that made uh, that automated this task. Okay, now the work is not done in, in three days, but rather in just three hours. Okay, so this is our couple of examples of flawless data and simple, simple automations. Got it, got it. Now, if you look at the actual root cause of uh, what's causing these problems, what would you attribute that to? Is that you, um, interfaces, uh, form designs, uh, inexperience of people? What would you attribute that to? Um, on my, based on my experience, not, on, not only as an advisor, but also as an employee, I think that in big corporations, in big multinational companies, uh, the main root cause for this uh, kind of uh, manual work um, 
is caused by uh, the lack of integration of the countries in some regions. For example, in Latin America, Middle East, or Asia, uh, most of the countries are not integrated in on the let's say state bureaucracy issues. For example, in Europe, in the European Union, okay, uh, you can roll out one corporate system for many countries because um, um, countries are integrated on how they pay taxes, on how they operate, okay, in many other aspects. But I am talking especially in the case of Latin America, okay, you have 10, 12, 14 countries and they don't work in the same way. I mean, they don't pay taxes in the same way. They, they don't have the logistic uh, chains in the same way. So they don't invoice in the same way. Okay, so you, a corporation would need to adapt their corporate systems to different realities. Okay, but uh, each of these countries uh, don't contribute very much to the global revenues, so are not a priority. Okay, so uh, when this happens, you end up having uh, many different, many countries with uh, an incomplete rollout of, of corporate systems, okay? And each of these countries need to do manual tasks. For example, when I, uh, in one of my uh, employers, one of the companies I work for as an employee, uh, they had very, very, very advanced global systems, corporate systems, okay? But in our region, these systems were rolled out maybe at a 50% capacity. And rolling out, you know, uh, the, the remaining 50% was too expensive to execute for so many countries. So in my opinion, in my experience, that's the main reason. Got it. Now, this problem that you talked about in corporate, now this is something which is not born yesterday. It's been there for many, many years in many organizations. Mm -hmm. What's a good starting point? When do they come to people like you to solve their problems? Uh, well, I will say that the first step uh, for solving these kind of situations or for improving these situations is that the top management decides that they need to stop losing money and opportunities in mistakes or delays. Okay. And many times having uh, a necessary headcount too. Okay. So I would say that the baseline is that the CEO decides to prioritize the automation of manual tasks and uh, the, to ensure the high quality of data. Okay, this is the say mandatory, but it's not the first step. The first step, and this could be done at any level of, on the organization, okay, is that uh, any man every manager identifies which processes are demanding the most of the time and are generating the most of the mistakes. Okay, this is step one. Uh, step two is that they identify which, uh, which are the reasons, which are the root causes that are um, causing these processes to take so much time and to generate so much mistakes. Okay, and the third uh, step will be to uh, identify a strategy to avoid uh, collecting wrong data, like I mentioned uh, in an example some moments ago, but in a simple way, okay? Most of the solutions are quite simple, okay? And also, uh, they need to identify how to, how to automate uh, the manual tasks, okay? But again, using simple solutions like Microsoft Excel or a di uh, data miner, 
like it could be SQL, SAS, or any data miner, is totally capable of solving these kind of situations. Okay, but again, the baseline for all of this is that the top management or the uh, division director takes the decision, the decision to start prioritizing this. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now, when they talk about uh, bringing in a solution like this or an initiative like this, uh, do they bring in kind of an end-to-end -end approach to it or do they say, let's start small, let's do some proof of concepts and if it works for us, then we expand it to the entire length of the process. What's typically the approach that your customers end up taking? Okay, um, in my experience, they start small. Uh, usually is one area, okay, one division, one area that uh, has had a problem for years, okay, that are they are being too slow to work, uh, too slow to deliver, or they are committing too many mistakes, okay, and losing money because of this. And this area knows, they know how to solve their problems, but they don't, they think they don't have the resources to solve them, okay? So they ask the IT department, hey, I need a new software, or I need you to make modifications to the uh, software that we are currently using. And IT usually answers by saying, wait, we don't have that much time, we don't have this many resources, so you need to wait, okay? And on, at the same time, they are this, the area, the, the user area are not allowed to bring um, developers from the outside or to purchase new software. Yeah, it, it's not that they are, they are not allowed officially, but many times it's very, very difficult to pass through all the corporate bureaucracy and get the authorizations, okay? So the area ends up crippled. Uh, they know how to solve the problems, they know uh, what are the problems, but they see that they don't have the resources to solve it. Okay, so when I when they uh, learn about me and I I tell them that my strategy is to use only the current resources they have. Okay, to generate all the improvements they need, the automations. But first of all, they need to make linear processes. Okay. So uh, yeah, we start small. We start usually with one process. Okay, it works, it worked well. We have saved, uh, instead, we are not working 25 hours per week. We are working just five hours per week, for example, or we are not working 40 hours per month. We are working now 30 minutes per month, okay? So they jump to another process and then to other process. Okay, so uh, my clients are usually uh, the areas that want to improve processes and that uh, they need a simple and immediate way of doing it, okay, using only the resources they have. Um, then uh, a broader approach, end-to-end, -end, uh, yeah, it will take usually the general management to decide for it. Mm -hmm. Right, so when you start small, I'm sure um, you probably go to a certain function. Who's typically your a uh, functional customer? Is that IT? Is that the finance processes? Who is typically your customer? Uh, typically, my customer are the user areas. Let's say the planning area, the after sales area, financial area, the logistics area. Uh -huh. I, I don't work with IT areas. In fact, uh, one, of the, one of the promises I, I make to my clients is that, that we won't ask anything to the IT area. 
because uh, when that happens, we usually get a lot of delays. So where we want to keep, where we focus a lot on keeping is the ability and autonomy to start our project in day one and finish it by day 30, 45, you know, without asking for favors, without asking for any uh, manpower. So that's what, that's what we do. And as I said, uh, the, the user areas, uh, they already know what are their, problem, what are the, their problems and how to solve them. Okay, so of course, many of them like the lean approach and they don't know how to automate using Excel or, or a data miner, data miner. Okay, but that's what I tell them how to do. And when it comes to the user areas, what sort of benefits or business case do they end up making in order to embark on this sort of an initiative? The user areas usually introduce uh, these projects as an opportunity to uh, reduce time uh, in a very big way. And they usually do something that I don't share, I don't like very much, and they introduce this project as an opportunity to reduce headcount, okay? And that's what they focus on. But I always, and I always do this, uh, don't recommend this because I think that uh, the headcount employees that they count with um, are, are will be, after the project will have more time available to generate more value with their expertise and with the with what they know about the organization with what they know about the company okay but these are the two main benefits they they introduce uh, to the general manager to the ceo or to the financial manager okay uh, big time savings and uh, reduced headcount it has happened in the past uh, more than one time that the headcount uh, after the project was reduced, okay, against my advice. Uh, <laughs> but um, for me, that's not a, really a benefit. I think that the, 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 the real benefit is to stop losing money in mistakes, stop losing money because you are taking uh, decisions too late, okay, commercial decisions too late, or losing money because you're making inefficient exp expenses and you are not able to stop them quickly. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, this is, this is the benefits they introduce uh, to the managers, to the CEO, to the CFO when they look for approvals. Yeah. This uh, headcount reduction has been a very common tool that gets used. Um, by many organizations and I completely echo your thoughts and in fact that's the same that I also do with my clients I uh, advise them against uh, reducing headcount um, but you know usually the problem is that for them reducing a headcount is a much easier task compared mm -hmm. to be able to deploy them in something new because there they would need to use their brains they need to use their thinking and figuring out how to redeploy them rather than just get the numbers in and of course there's a financial accounting play here as well which reduces their cost increases their bid and so on and so forth so but let me ask you this question. Uh, typically, um, when we talk about transformation and we, when we talk about operational excellence, we are also faced with opportunity to reduce uh, the amount of time required, i.e. from an FTE perspective, it reduces the number of FTEs that is required to be involved. This makes the 
cases, business cases, much more resistance prone from the workforce. Even though you may internally advise that one should not reduce the headcount, but the market kind of expects that there is going to be a headcount reduction. How do you go about managing that side of things? What I say when I first start my project is that the ideas are not mine. Okay. I introduce myself as a, as a mean to achieve their goals and as a mean to deploy their ideas, their improvement ideas. Okay. So I start every project by saying that we are a team okay, that I'm another, a new member and transitory member of their team and that I will collect their ideas and materialize them in an improvement, okay, and that I, <clears throat> and I, this, and I make this through, uh, throughout the whole process, the whole project, is that I always introduce the new improvements and the new ideas as uh, the idea of the person that told me that idea, okay, and I'm making this continuous, okay. And uh, what I offer them is that they will be, they will have more time to do their work, that they will have less arguments with their bosses, with their uh, peers. Okay. So it has worked very well so far. And uh, I didn't have any problems with that. So I, another stuff, another thing, another strategy I take is that many times I get offered a office, a office, you know, a temporary office of my clients. But I always reject these offices. Why? Because I, uh, by strategy, I uh, always sit among the, the analysts, for example, or the team that is involved in this process. Why? Because I sit there because I want to listen what they, what they talk about. Okay, I want to see, I want to listen, uh, not occasionally, but every day. So uh, this is what I do. And, from this, in this way, I get to uh, gather lots of information, even if uh, information they didn't think about sharing the first time, in the first place, because they didn't think it was important, but I know it is important, you know? Um, so that's my strategy. So number one, say to say that we are working as a team. Number two, that it, it is, it will be, it would always be their credit, nor mine. And number three, that it will save them a lot of time. They, they will save them a lot of mistakes and that it will allow them to do a better work. Okay. And uh, around this, what I do is be present where the action takes, uh, where, where, where the action is. You know, this is the same uh, strategy that is recommended in the Toyota Way book, for example. You know, the same strategy that is taken by uh, companies by like SpaceX, like Toyota, you know, is by DHL is to be, I don't know, 80%, 70% of the time in the field. The Gemba walks make a huge difference, which is being on the shop floor or being mm -hmm. out in the fields with the people. Um, in, your, in your experience, how much of it is actually technical changes versus how much of it is mindset and cultural changes that you need to bring about in your initiatives? I will say that 80% if cultural changes, okay, is the approach, okay? Because if your approach is to be okay with manual tasks, is to be okay with flow data that comes uh, from time to time, okay? Then after some months, after some years, you will have a big problem, okay? And 
Of course, uh, not only because you're taking way more time than you should take, but uh, because you're gathering wrong data, you're uh, capturing wrong data, let's say in every human interaction with clients, uh, for, an, for example, or with uh, suppliers, and you're also uh, generating more and more wrong data in your reports, for example, okay? Or in your systems when the data is generated from uh, inside systems. So it's 80% of this is uh, uh, how you, yeah, yeah, exactly. And 20% is technical, uh, a technical solution. Uh, sometimes I tell my clients, look, the automation is the last part, you know, is the sixth, is the fifth step. Okay, and sometimes you don't need to automate. Sometimes it's more effective to use a whiteboard. Okay, uh, for example, a client asked me uh, for a dashboard, an automated dashboard for their planning team, okay, to sum up the daily activity. And I told him, okay, we can do a dashboard with the resources we have, this kind of dashboard with the resources we have, but it will take maybe half an hour to be populated. Okay, but if we use this whiteboard that is here and you make a brief summary of the activity of every member of your team, which, I, which was a team of six people, it will take 10 minutes, you know, or less. And it will be more visual. It will, be, it will encourage discussion among your team. So that was the final, let's say, the final solution of the process, you know, uh, the last step. You know, so it's, yeah, it's a totally a, a matter of approach in the 80% of this. Mm -hmm. What would be your biggest challenge that you face when you go about implementing an initiative like this? The biggest challenge is to find out that the manager that hired me uh, finally is finally uh, bypassing all the solutions we develop. For example, if we redesign a process and we say, okay, in this process, you cannot accept flow data coming from the previous area. For example, uh, you work for a, a manufacturing planning uh, division, okay? And one of their inputs is the finan a financial report that comes from the financial area. And this report usually comes with mistakes. And you tell the manager, so we won't accept these mistakes, this flow report. What we are going to do is we will find out the mistakes, um, identify them, you know, automatically, and then return the, the, this report to the financial area so they correct it and then um, send it back, okay? And the manager says, okay, let's do it. And after two months, he starts accepting this flow report again because he didn't manage to have a, a conversation with the financial area manager uh, so to request a perfect report. Okay, so that's the biggest challenge, really. That, that is when the owner of the of the whole area of the processes bypass all the solutions. Yes, I think for every uh, advisor and consultants, uh, we've all come across those uh, spineless uh, customers um, every now and then, and uh, they, they are kind of the reality of life. So let's talk about uh, one of the happy customers that you had, the customer that was really satisfied with the work that you did? For example, in one of my, my customers, it was a supply planning area, okay? So they purchased around 40,000 different SKUs from around 
200 different suppliers from all around the world. And what they used for executing the, this supply planning was a report that was produced in Chile, in in our country. And with this, uh, the, with this report, they started executing, they started building the, the planning, the supply planning. They paid a certain amount of money every month and they were always, they only received this report once a month. So they could only uh, execute the supply planning once a month. And this supply planning, the, this whole uh, cycle of planning took, used to take like uh, five to seven days. And it was producing some mistakes because the data was flow and they didn't realize. So uh, when I got to the company and we started with the project, I realized that this could be produced in-house. They didn't know, they, could, they didn't hire me for producing, the, for building this report in-house. So I realized that it could be uh, done in-house and we started working on that. Uh, well, the result is that now the whole cycle, the whole uh, planning process takes one day instead of five to seven days. Now they work with four planners instead of six. And now they don't pay this company from the other country, okay? Because all these all of this is produced in-house. And we achieved this mainly because the manager of the area, the director of the area, he was totally convinced that his area needed to work with as many automation as possible. So he pushed his team to use the new tools, to use the new process. Okay? Because when you deploy any software, any new software, any new process, there is some state of inertia. Okay? It doesn't matter if it's more, if it's uh, easier to do it now than how it was uh, done in the past there is some inertia and to break the inertia you need to push it it's usually the work of the manager to do that because if he's not uh, pushing his team to do it then the team will go back to the, what they used to do okay so that was a very successful uh, process project for example one of the many and the main reason was the manager absolutely i think having an engaged manager who's thinking along with you and uh, participates with you getting things done with himself or herself and their team uh, is extremely important important and crucial for a success of any yes. project. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Now we are kind of getting towards the uh, end of the show. One of the questions I have, what's in store in the future, especially with artificial intelligence and robotics coming in? What do you think is likely to happen? I think that what the future is, is quite obvious for everyone uh, nowadays. And is that uh, every year, more and more automations will start taking a lot of manual tasks and artificial intelligence will, will take over some jobs but this will happen within the next 10 years 15 years okay let's start happening uh, faster and faster each time but i think that for the midterm for the immediate future and especially under the context of this pandemic we are living in and with the lessons that companies are getting from this i think that companies will start working on these simple automations that i have been talking about every time uh, more and more each time okay this will happen because nowadays companies realize that they don't have the, the comfort of spending a single dollar in the wrong way or losing a, a commercial opportunity just because they were too slow, okay? Just because they needed to wait one or two or three days for the report to be uh, ready, you know? or they couldn't stop an inefficient expense because they couldn't see it in the report. So uh, I think that in the in the immediate future, this will start 
to be uh, prioritized. And I think that's quite good uh, for everyone. And uh, in the long term, of course, uh, artificial intelligence will take over. Automations like RPAs and more sophisticated RPAs will take over. And that I think is our main uh, interest to keep the humans creative because, because that's how we generate value. And that's how an employee will be valuable for their uh, company. So, yeah, that's what I think for the immediate and long-term future. I think that's a very, very important, which is having employees uh, as central to your solution, having uh, human beings as central to your solution. I think that's a great, great point. Just one more question. What would be some of the practical tips that you would like to share with people who may be uh, listening to this podcast or listening and watching this video on YouTube? Uh, just as I mentioned uh, some uh, minutes ago, the, the three steps to undertake for everyone in the organization, let's say, with, let's start with the analyst, okay? Is number one, I, if you're an analyst, Number one, identify which processes or tasks are demanding the most of your time and uh, in which processes or tasks are you committing the most of the mistakes. That's step one. Step two, uh, ask yourself, what is causing these uh, high times uh, and the mistakes? What are the root causes for this? Is it flawed data? Is it that you are making a lot of manual tasks? Is it that your formulas, you're writing the same formula again and again and again each month and each week? And maybe you don't need to do it. You just need to do it once. And number three is consider and figure out, use your imagination, use your creativity, and especially your wit. Figure out how can you stop making manual work? How can you make small automation? I will make an example. If you download a database, okay, and you usually insert two columns in between the database and you write formulas every month or every week. Just stop doing it. You write the formulas only once, only one time in the first two columns and then paste this database on the right, okay? On the right of these two columns. And in this way, you won't need the time to open, to make a, to insert new columns in the middle of the database. You won't need to write again this form. You will save time in that. This is very small, very small improvement. But if you start adding improvements, small improvements, small improvements, by the end of the day, you will have made a huge uh, time, a very big time saving. And uh, this is also mentioned in the Toyota way that you don't need to wait for the big improvement. You know, small improvements added up generate a big improvement. So this is if you're an analyst, okay? And if you're a manager, if you're an area manager, okay, it doesn't matter what the CEO thinks right now, if he has taken the decision to prioritize automations, Okay, if you're an area manager, do the same. Ask everyone in your team to execute this little exercise. This is a very, very uh, simple way of start generating improvements and stop making mistakes now. Okay, you don't need the IT department. You don't need a process guru, a new software, anything. I think the Kaizen, which is kind of central to the lean management philosophy, which talks about small improvements, continuous small improvements, is definitely one of the tricks that most businesses often overlook. They all look for that big breakthrough, disruptive kind of an idea. Uh, exactly. and, and in turn, they forsake the possibilities through these very small and small improvements that they can do so that's that's i think very very important i'm sure some of the uh, listeners and viewers from the audience would like to get in touch and have more discussions what's the best way to get in touch with you okay yeah uh, 
if anyone would like to have uh, more information about the methodology or would like to get some advice on this, uh, you can visit the website uh, swiftdataflow.com or you can send me an email to uh, argon, A-R-G-O-N, at swiftdataflow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to take this opportunity to thank Gonzalo Arribas Plata to join us and share his experience and his thoughts on automation and flawless data. Thank you. Thank you, Arriban. Thank you very much. And thank everyone that has been listening or watching this. I hope you liked today's episode and continue to watch more episodes in the future. This interview series has been created to bring about mass awareness on the benefits of digital innovation, enabling technologies, operational excellence, and some of the other strategic endeavors. If you found value from this interview, then please like this, whatever channel you're watching it on, do share it with your friends and family and network. And I hope to see you again in the future episode. Till such time, thank you and bye-bye.